Sounds perfect. Great. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. On Fridays, we talk about Surefoot, the uses of Surefoot pads and different ideas and, and how it got started and all kinds, all things Surefoot. Um, just remember that on we're still out rolling out the free online workshop, the Effortless Rider Workshop on horseclass.com. So if anybody is interested in learning how to improve your riding and loves the work that I do, please go to horseclass.com, go to the free online workshop. It will not be up there forever. It'll be up there till the 20th of April. So go out there and watch those videos, put in a comment. Uh, people are loving it. It's always fun to read the comments and, and I chime in there quite often. Um, today, my guest is Marie Purden and she is from North Carolina. Um, Marie is a Surefoot practitioner and we're gonna let Marie introduce herself uh, because ever, I always think my guests do a better job than I do. I don't know about that. <laughs> Welcome, Marie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Wendy. And first, just thank you for all you're doing to spread the word and get these awesome people on here. I've certainly enjoyed it. And it's been cool to see all the dark horses that we normally don't see as household names. So <laughs> thank you for doing what you're doing because you're certainly making a huge difference. Oh, that's great. I appreciate that. And if you if you know anybody that you think we should have on as guests, you know, I do get suggestions just so that people know I do get suggestions and we do track them down, but they don't always want to be willing to come on the show. Right. And I do have some, I do have some, but um, I'll send them to you in a link. And like I said, I don't know if they will or not, but there's some more dark horses out there. That that's okay. It's always worth a little prod to see if they'll join us. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. absolutely. So Marie, your lighting keeps kind of changing a little bit. Um, right. Let me see if I'm shift around here. Yep. Is that better? Oh, way better, way better. It's uh, sitting by the uh, door so I can have a connection here. Okay. No, that's, that's significantly improved. Yeah. All right, so Marie, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I was raised in northeastern North Carolina, and my dad was a uh, farmer and entrepreneur, and my granddad um, built a old general store, so we were raised in that, and I started with horses at a very young age. My dad was an animal lover, too. Not a horseman, for sure, but he was an animal lover, so I started with horses very young. Matter of fact, the first horse he got me, which you'll have a picture of later, was a stud. <laughs> and yes, that kind of tells you a little bit about how much my dad knew about horses, buying an eight-year-old a stud. And so, you know, moving forward, getting into horses as a kid, it was just a lot of self-taught, if you will. And after college, I took, first I took my horse with me after college, and then I ended up, um, getting into teaching in health clubs. I was a uh, major in education, but I ended up teaching um, in health clubs clubs and managing them. Oh, really? Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I uh, was in Savannah, Georgia, of all places, when I started doing carriage tours down there. A wonderful carriage company down there. They really took care of their horses. It was an awesome experience. So that was a lot of fun. Spent 17 years with the airline after that. What do you mean with the airline? Yes, I worked for the airlines for 17 years. What did you do? Everything on the ground that you can imagine from ticketing to catering to um, ground. No, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Were you in 
skirts and heels? Oh, you bet. Unfortunately, there for a while until they allowed us to have flats. But yes, I worked on the ticket counter. I worked in baggage. I worked in load control, catering, all, all over the airport for 17 years. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, this is one of the things I love about these interviews because you learn about things about people that you would have never found out otherwise. And yeah. I, I have to say, you're the first one that has come on that has worked for an airline. Yeah. Yeah. And done those kind of well, tasks. The first, first thing people ask is, did you fly? And I'm like, no, I didn't fly, but <laughs> I enjoyed the benefits. So I stayed on the ground and enjoyed the benefits. So I did do a lot of traveling when I was with them. So but I ended up leaving the airlines mostly for health reasons. I took a leave and also wanted to get into doing something with horses if any way possible. I just kept having that pull. And so I left the airlines and, um, you know, enjoyed my horses, started selling tack at trade shows, doing anything I could, you know, to be around horses. And um, that was going okay for a while. And then I met a homeopath that just changed and rocked my world. And she was a really instrumental in helping puzzle solve what was going on with my health issues. Oh. And a lot of things that I had gone through with conventional as well as natural doctors. And um, she describes it like peeling an onion. You know, the body will show you what's most important to work on and you take care of that. Then the next thing will show up. So she was so helpful and giving me more awareness on self, you know, a lot of self-awareness, opened my eyes to vibrational energy and healing, essential oils, dousing. I was so glad you talked to uh, Sinead the other day because I'm like, oh, they're going to think I'm weird talking about pendulums. But yes, uh, I have no, into the <laughs> Yeah, I carry it with me everywhere I go and I use it in my teachings as well as um, every day in my own. And uh then after that, I was introduced to natural horsemanship, mainly because a horse I had that really needed a little more than what I could give him. And uh, of course, it made me a lot safer. And I survived through that. Met a guy named David Jones with Hoof Armor. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh, I use Hoof Armor. Yeah. And um, met him early on when he first came out with the product and took it home and used it. And I was so excited about how awesome it was. I said, do you need a distributor? So I started, I was one of his first distributors in the Southeast for Hoof Armor. And of course, since then he has perfected the um, formula so much better now, but I did that and decided that if I was gonna do that, I needed to know more about feet. So David is why I got into trimming because I felt like I needed to know more about feet if I was going to sell that product. So I learned a lot from him, studied um, a good bit under Pete Ramey's method and started just trimming my own horses. Well, you know how far that goes. I know. I know exactly how that goes. And so then friends wanted me to trim their horses. And then the next thing you know, I'm doing it all the time. So I have not um, gone there. I <laughs> I've stuck with three. That's it. <laughs> and, and I don't do it now other than just for some friends and myself. And I keep my continuing education going on it. But um, yes, I was doing a lot of horses. And I actually met Dr. Bowker in South Carolina back then, which is really cool that um, I did because he talked about proprioception in his seminar. And one of the analogies he used was putting a terry cloth cloth under their foot and how it could affect proprioception. 
and it just blew my mind. And so that's really kind of funny now that the Surefoot made total sense to me when I first heard about it because having, you know, heard of him. So that there's so much more awareness out there with feet now. I mean, Ida Hammer, I'm studying with her. She's coming to do four classes at the end of the month down our way um, here in Eastern North Carolina, getting ready to. Oh, is that on my calendar? I don't know. But um, we're bringing her to the coast and spending four days with her, or actually six days. And uh, so anyway, then after um, trimming, I ended up becoming a natural horseman instructor. And I appreciate all I gained from that. But I wanted to explore more. I wanted to learn more about the body and kind of unlock more things. So I went out on my own and started pulling my resources together and Hoof care, essential oils, homeopathy, you know, awareness of nonverbal communication, um, more non-invasive ways of working with horses and began to focus on relational horsemanship. And it wasn't until I started studying more about classical and artful writing that it all really kind of came together for me. And so there's lots of people that are instrumental in that. Um, Mary and those two to me is such a perfect blend so I really like to bounce between the two depending on what the horse needs and um, reading out the wazoo once I started getting more hooked on this I've read everything I can get my hands on and spent time with Patrick King he's a really good friend of mine and Patrick actually is the one to introduce me to Surefoot oh okay I didn't realize that Patrick's the one that introduced me to Surefoot. And um, after listening to Dr. Balker all those years ago, it made perfect sense to me. You know, Patrick was like, I don't know how it works, but it works, you know? <laughs> and I love him, love his ambition and his continued growth. But he recommended Jillian Kreinbrin to me. He said, Marie, if you ever get to take her functional anatomy course, I highly recommend you do it. And, um, I intuitively felt an urgency to do it like right then. So I signed up for like, it was December and this was early spring. And I was like, I can't wait. I got to see where she is. I, I can't tell you the pool. We laugh about it today. I tell her I wasn't stalking her, but it sure looked like I did. And so I met her in Savannah, Georgia to watch her teach. And Pam was down there. Pam Eckelberger was down there. The cast yes. of characters here, yes. Yes, it's yes, a cast of characters. And Pam had Petey there and they did a lecture, you know, on um, uh, functional anatomy and the bones and everything. And I just got completely hooked. So Pam doesn't know it, but she's probably responsible for me geeking out on bones still today. I've actually um, composted a couple of horses and brought them up so that I can have them in my teaching. That has been amazing. And I am so honored to have that experience and to allow them to share their story. It's been super cool. Um, one horse that I had that I'll show you in some pictures here in a minute, he, when he came to me, we used Surefoot a lot. And this was before I became a practitioner for you. We used Surefoot a lot because he was so full of attention and so just shut down and um, it helped him tremendously. So I try to bring, you know, a, a holistic approach. I try to have that tribe 
I really believe in a good tribe, your dentist, your vet, your hoof care mentor or professional, your um, development mentor. I think these are key people into creating a holistic approach to our horses. So it's so interesting listening to your story, Marie, because I, I didn't know your story, to be honest. Yeah, sure, sure. And it's, it's so interesting to hear all the cast of characters in your life and look at all the cast of characters I've been interviewing and how, you know, th there's something about like mind finding like mind, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. There. Um, and it's, I just, uh, all I can say is it's, it's really neat because it's been so much fun bringing all these people that you've mentioned yeah. out through the webinars for other people to know about, like, like you said at the beginning that I had no idea how, yeah. how meaningful that really is for yeah. you. And I absolutely agree. I wasn't ready to hear it until I was ready to hear it. But when I started surrounding myself, you know, first reaching out for something different, and then surrounding myself with people that are much better than me, have more knowledge than me. And then I can't, I don't have enough time to read everything and do everything I want to do. So yeah, it's been super fun. Met a body worker locally that has been super instrumental in helping me really keep tapping into my intuition. She's amazing. She has helped me explore endocranial sacral, myofascial, um, just an amazing mentor and friend when it comes to understanding the functional anatomy of the horse. So her and Jillian are two of my really top two people to help me have a, but develop a better eye for horses. I mean, when we know better, we do better, right? Yeah. So, so what is it that you yeah, currently, like, how do you describe what you're doing currently with horses? Well, that's a good uh, question. I like to think about Marion the relational with developing a horses for wellness and longevity. I like to marry those two. And what that involves a lot of times is sometimes I'm working on the human more than I am the uh, horse, depending on what situation arises. Um, I, I like to teach how to share space with a horse first, how to hold space for a horse first because I don't feel like if we come to the equation, bringing all, all our baggage into a session or in a lesson that we're gonna gain very much and it's not gonna be desirable energy for the horse to wanna share, right? So I work a lot on how can we work on ourselves to be able to carry the, the right energy to the horse. And to me, holding space is what we do when we do surefoot. Because if you think of sharing space as bringing the right energy, but holding space is like being a compassionate witness. And that's what we are. You know, we're a compassionate witness as they go through and process whatever they're feeling in their body. That's so well said. I'm going to actually make a note um, because that um, that is something that you've said better than I've been able to say. <laughs> um, uh, okay, I got it. I made my note. Oh, so my, you know, when I do privates, you know, it's an individual thing. Most people have studied with me, but if I haven't um, taught people, I like for them to do a clinic because I do partial classroom where I go over a lot of the healthy movement, go over a lot of the things that are the human's responsibility, not just what they need to do in their body, but energetically. 
and you know talk about a lot of woo-woo things that um, uh, they might not necessarily hear from other people. But it's super helpful to have the classroom time. And then I go and do privates. So I'm not a big fan of group lessons anymore. I like to do one-on-one because I feel like I can have a, you know a better session that way and meet them where they are. Um, I started doing something. Um, I guess it's been a year or so now called the mindful walk at the beginning of any session I have with my horse. And I've started teaching that to my students. And what it is, is we go into an arena and we just start doing, you know, we're so good at doing, we're not human doers, we're human beings, right? So can we go into an arena and help the horse get used to that environment because it's not their normal environment? Can the human go in and start getting used to it as well, being aware of their breath? Are they holding tension in their body? Breathe into those joints while they're walking with their horse. Observe what they're feeling and observe what the horse is doing. You know, are they coming down? Are they blowing out? Or do they have rhythmic breathing? And I'm gonna tell you, it's been super powerful. I've got students that um, they just know, they walk in, they start walking around the arena and they just get in sync with each other then they're at a place where they can start to learn. And um, a lot of people that have their minds drift, I have them do a gratitude walk. So same thing, you're doing your mindful walk, just walking your horse around the arena. And every time your mind drifts, like I'm thinking about what I'm gonna do or what I did or whatever the case may be, you come out of the present. Think of something you're grateful for, whether it's the sky's blue or it doesn't matter. And that immediately brings you back present. And then you just continue on. And it's a good ritual for me to just kind of make sure that I can stay present. I mean, they're present all the time. It's we're the ones that are challenged to do that. Right. You know, this fits so well with my uh, guest yesterday, uh, Janet, Janet Knudsen, who Hmm. um, like up coaching. And she I asked her at the end of her webinar, I was like, you know, what's one thing people can practice? and she was the, the gratefulness, just say thank you. Yeah. And um, just- Absolutely. Yeah. I do, I've, I've tried to get my students that every time they have a session with their horse, whether it's with me or at home, write down three things your horse did well. And then write down one thing that your horse needs clarity on for next time. Not one thing they did wrong, one thing they need clarity on so that you can see how you can deliver it next time. And then write down three things you did well. That's hard for them to do. And then write down one thing they need clarity on. They're good at finding what they need clarity on. Believe me, I've asked that question many times in my clinics and the humming and hawing and, and they, you know, but the litany of what they didn't do. Yeah. It's, it's so ingrained in, in working with horses that we, you know, it's fascinating. I used to ask that question of pony clubbers all the time. And they, we so focus on what they're not doing. But you know, when you look at other sports and other training, they focus on what they are doing. It's so great to hear that you're bringing this in. Yeah. because We need a, basically a mind shift in, in a paradigm shift in our approach to horses in recognizing we need to focus on right. what we do well. Um, and there's so much well, you know, if you write those down and journal them, 
and just journal it every time and make sure you do it every session. You'll start rewiring your brain to see the good in your horse. And then the next thing you know, you don't see those not so good things that you focused so much on before. And I know it's worked with my students. It seems to, they, you know, they point out what they do well. They don't point out what they, they don't do well. And if they have something they think the horse needs to know, they'll use words like, I think he needs to understand this, or he doesn't have, you, you see what I'm saying? They're, it's their vocabulary is yeah. becoming so different, which is lovely to see. My horse won't. Yeah. You yeah. know, because you can only calm a, and soften a horse to the degree that you can calm within yourself. You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. So, and at the end of the day, can we create space that allows them to relax? And so that's, that's pretty much what I carry in. I do a lot with, um, like I said, kind of marry, I'm, by, I'm, I'm a beginner student with classical and art, artful writing, um, but I bring what I can as far as developing an eye for healthy movement and how can we do that in a um, way where we can keep the relationship intact. So awesome. that's kind of stuff to show what I do. <laughs> You have some stuff to show us today. I do, I have some stuff to show you. Let's see if we can share screen. I'm gonna show you first, um, just some photos of people in, in uh, either clinic or lesson session. And then I've got a, just a couple of videos that are really cool to look at some changes in a horse. Um, desktop. Look at that. Uh, look how good am I. <laughs> I got to pat myself on the back. For sure. Oh my gosh. All right. That's not what I want. That. And sometimes Zoom doesn't follow the screen. So I'll let you know if it's frozen or not. Okay. Following. All right. All right. First, I want to share this one because it's funny and you'll get a big kick out of it. It's only a few seconds and then we'll get going. I posted it today on the fan page. Yep, we're good. That is awesome. Isn't that awesome? Yep. Oh, how cute. Ozzy? He is a uh, border collie. Oh, he's got brown. Um, he does. He's tricolor. He's one of the smartest dogs I have ever owned. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's unusual to see a tricolor uh, border collie. Yeah. He is amazing. Um, I'm going to uh, start with this horse because this has been a while ago, but it was a very interesting um, weekend for this horse, if you will. Uh, She's a super internal horse. Is Can you there... just make it big? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, was really challenged by clinic environments. And so what, what really helped is I actually had, I think I just gotten the pads from your um, practitioner course. So I had all of them, thank goodness. And she had no forward. All she wanted to do was just stop and be on the pads. We take her off the pads. We try to get her, you know, to 
to do some things, she would just like come right back to the pads and put herself in this position. And that's all she wanted to do the entire time. Wow. We come out the, the next day, the same thing. I've never seen anything this drastic before. So she was obviously going super internal, um, just being in the environment. Pads obviously gave her relief and she didn't want to leave them. It was just a fascinating um, weekend for that little mare. And, and so tell us a little bit more about this. She, um, had she been under saddle? Was there anything significant? No, haven't even done anything yet. Yes. But I mean, at home. Oh, she, yeah. yes. She was a horse that was under saddle. About how old was she? She's probably in her teen, uh, mid-teens. Yeah, she's probably driving. We got a driver's license. And did you know anything about her history? Um, not a whole lot. I had worked with the um, student at her house, and we did a lot of observing. Um, that's why what I do and Surefoot goes together so well is because I do a lot of watching paint dry and observing and seeing, you know, what the horse needs. And so working with her at home, she just needed a lot of, can you just share space and be with me without asking me to do anything? Interesting. So, yeah. So, in the stance with the hind leg so far underneath her, was that yeah. kind of typical for her? That's not her normal stance. It just was within when she was on the pads. Yeah. Wow. And how was she afterward? Um, she came, she came out, what I ended up advising her, I said, I really don't think you need to do a lot with her. I mean, it was unfortunately not a weekend where she could do a lot with her horse, but the horse needed to just be left alone. So after, after we had her on the pads, we just let her be and not have a lot of stimulation. Um, and just getting through the weekend doing that by the last day, I think we were able to do some things, um, minimal one plus one, you yeah. know? And um, she started coming around. But to me, that's just good horsemanship when we can recognize that, hey, you might hear, be here for a clinic and you want to get a lot of stuff done, but your horse is going, I don't think so. Almost like the horse just needed a lot of, how is that horse now? Have you seen that horse again? I haven't seen that horse in a long time. Um, so I do not know, but uh, I know they ended up studying with some more um, people that were doing a lot of um, centered riding, Peggy Cummins. So she got, she hooked up with some of those people, which was really good. Yeah. Fascinating. Because yeah. um, that's not, I have to say that that, that's a bit unusual. Yes, I agree. I've had, a, I've had a few unusual things, <laughs> but this one was a, but I, if it was going to be any horse, uh, that horse, it makes sense to me because she really did um, struggle to trust, you know, that was well, one of the biggest things. Yeah. To trust that, you know, you're going to do what's best. And let's see, I don't know why it always does that. So I'm just going to clip through a few of these. Okay. Um, this horse right here came to me in training. You can see how upside down he is. This is before he came to me. And uh, what was really cool about this guy, I fell in love with him. I, I nicknamed him Boo. He's one of my favorite horses. Can you make that one big again? Because we, we're losing the top of his head. Yeah, and you won't get that. This is kind of just a photo to show kind of where he was in his body. Yeah. Um, the next shot will show you a little bit more about where he is. 
Wow. And I had, I had him for, you know, a few months and, and we religiously weekly did surefoot with him and he was starting to release and really lengthen his neck and start to utilize his body a little bit different. This is the actual owner on him right now. And um, the owner came for a lesson one time while I had him and she asked me, she said, I'm gonna call her out on this. She goes, Maria, is it possible for their neck to get longer? <laughs> and I said, uh, actually, he's just utilizing his body just a little bit different. It's a perception, right? Yeah. But he was, he was an awesome little guy. So how often did you use Surefoot with him? Probably a couple of times a week while he was with me. And yeah. was there any particular pattern or was it just kind of, did it differ every time? Um, it differs and I'll show you how I like to do it. Um, let me get out of this screen. There it goes. I'll show you how I like to do it. I either like if I can and have horses that know me do it at Liberty. But if not, I also like to do it in a way where here's a good one. And Annie's perfect at it. Um, she goes that one and is very emphatic about it. I'll show you a, a video of that, of her doing that. If I can get this to come up. So I'd put them out in kind of a half moon or a circle and I walk the horse and let them choose for the first time. And then if they don't choose, then I, I just offer something to them, right? But the first time I like to see if they'll choose. I mean, they're super smart. If they've been on them before, they're gonna choose what they yeah, want. for sure. And she's, this is my Mustang. She came out of Nevada. This is my Mustang. And she is so clear in the one she wants. The one day she said, I want the pods. And she's never been on them before. And she stepped right up there like she'd done it a million times. So I'm just gonna walk around with her. And as you can see, the pads are just there for her to choose from. See, she'll just pass them and it's like, yeah, she might kind of sniff at that. Yeah, no. And then she'll get to this one. And see, I'm asking, does oh, she wow. still want to go? And she goes, no, that one, thank you. <laughs> and she does it every time like that. Every wow. time. So that's how I like to do it if I can. Um, introduce them where they can choose to start with. And I think that gives them the, the option. This is a little guy that, um, and I don't even think she knows that I'm gonna show these, but this little guy, we did a lot of sharing space and, and just waiting for the processing after the release in a Liberty session. And it was so obvious that he just wanted to let down. We had done some surefoot he immediately goes into a flat layout. And that's not uncommon to happen in my clinics for horses to just lay flat out. Um, and he goes directly into this. Wow. And stayed there for a very long time. And it wasn't, it was not like, oh, I want to go down and roll. He went down immediately and just rolled over. You know, it's, this is fascinating because for horses to, to put themselves in this position around people means they have to feel incredibly safe yes. and that you are going to watch out for them. 
And that was a session we worked on just that. We worked on, hey, let's do less and see what he offers. And it was almost like a thank you, you know? It was almost like, thanks for the slowing down. It was really, really nice. Wow. Um, let's see what I got here on the photos. I'll just move right on into a video. Okay. We'll get going. I think, I think you um, saw the one that I posted with the uh, gal in the Surefoot's Under Saddle for the first time. Yeah, I'd love you to play that one. Okay, I'll play that one. Yeah, that was because I think that that was really interesting. And um, she, Yeah, and she's a longtime friend and student. She was with me before I started, um, before I even left natural horsemanship. She's, she's been an awesome, awesome student. But this mare is a super uh, sensitive mare and um, it's really been cool to watch her and Abby slow down within their um, time together. And the pads, she's been on them on the ground many times. I'm gonna show you in a minute. Is Some, the video playing? Cause it's not playing at our not side. Not yet. I was gonna, before I play it. No problem, just checking. Sometimes Zooms. Yeah, but I've also, brought this horse's feet back from a really bad place. And so when I um, started using Surefoot with her, when she was at my place, I used her for um, when I trimmed her. And so she was used to the pads on the ground, but she had never been with someone in the saddle, at least not this person. So right. here's a good video. And I like to hear Abby's explanation of it. All right, we got Sierra on the farm. She just had a riding session. First time Abby's been on the farms with the pads under saddle. What are you feeling there, Ab? Wow, it's amazing. Um, uh, lots of all the shifts, shifts of weight, the intrinsic muscles I feel coming on. And sway. I don't, I'm sure you can see my body. I'm going with it. Here's the breath change. I don't know what to say. <laughs> That's, it's really cool. Do you feel her shift weight to one more than the other? Uh, over, yeah, to the left. Yes. And from looking at her straight on, as she stands, you can no, she's see on she's left. on the left because the her left head now. is slightly to the left. I could feel a lot more than what I would have thought. Mm. I love that because that's so true. I tell you, it almost makes it you really understand the importance of your seat. Like my seat and riding her just because of how much I feel her, her moving under my seat right now. It's interesting. Sierra knows she's on camera. Yeah. She goes to the right. She tends to like go right back to the left really quick. Like, like she's definitely, un definitely not as comfortable, you know, comfortable or confident on the right. So. And she shifted, but stayed on the pad that time. Oh, there's a big change. See how she softened.
just make sure you're breathing. Make sure you're checking your joints and wherever you're stiff, soften. Breathe into the joints that are stiff. We'll fast forward here. And she walked off and she just wanted to come right back to the pads. Yeah. Now we didn't see her move before she was on the pads, but that's a lovely neckline there, really soft and long. Well, she's, she's, she's really been working hard. She had to bring her out of the bit because of the um, horse's perception of the bit. You know. It'll be fun for me to go back and watch the two videos before and after. She um, and is that a side pull she's in now? She's actually in. Uh, it's a it's a cavasson, but it's a design that you can ride in it as well. Okay. She she went into a um, cavasson because of. I talk a lot about my clinic's re-education to the bridle because so many horses are not educated to the bridle. They don't perceive it as relaxation. They perceive it as, you know, something else. Yeah. And so we, I talk a lot about that. And so she, she had to pull her out of it because she was not able to gain and make strides with her uh, by having her in the bridle. So she'll reapproach it. But the thing she's getting with her with this now compared to what she was getting with the bridle is huge. Huge. And that's, um, it's a good way to think of it is that you remove a habit in order to, to soften it so that you can reapproach in another way where yeah. there's a different pattern that can be established. Yeah. Advance to the rear so we can move forward. You know, if we don't, if we don't back up and break it down. I'm a big fan of breaking it down for the force and however far they need us to break it down. Right. Yeah. But that was a really cool um, session. With it her. was really fun. And, and, you know, one of the things that I, I've said over and over is that you, when you're actually sitting in the saddle and you feel a horse on surefoot pads, there, there is so much that you don't see mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you can feel. And it so changes people's perceptions. And yeah. she was so classic in her, in her description. Yeah, yeah. And this was actually after having some body work, the same mare, um, she has just, she's a lovely mare and is just so sweet. It's just nice to see her kind of peel yeah. the onion of this mare. I love it. Um, I do want to get to my little guy that's had some. Um, yeah. So you let me know how my time's going because I have another big, how we doing? You're fine. You have plenty of time. Okay. Uh, this one is a horse that, uh, oh, and I've got to go to YouTube too. Yeah. Um, this one, yeah, Journey's on YouTube. Uh, this one is a, uh, this is a little horse that, see if I can find, first started him she's she's kind of been with me on this journey as well she studied she studied with jillian as well and uh she was in natural horsemanship for a long time and she came to me and she's like marine she says i can do a lot with him but i can't get it done without much tension in his body so we have been peeling the onion with him to relieve a lot of tension in his body she spent the last year 
bringing him back barefoot. So that's been quite a journey for him because he is a little princess. Um, but just, I saw him this week for the first time in a while, and it was amazing to see all the, I call it the jello. You can actually see the fascia under the skin move in his shoulders. He was so locked up in his shoulders before. So we started with this, but then we ended up um, taking him into a stack situation because he was, um, he's shorter on one leg than the other. Mm. And so we played around with it and this was what we came up with. Can you just move the, um, the player so yeah. we can, there we go. Thanks. So what I did was, and, and I think the other video actually shows his back and his, um, where he's compensated up through his body for that shorter leg. But he's so much more square here. Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's what's been fascinating to watch how they start with where they're coming out of their body. And by the time they finish, maybe towards the end of Surefoot, they have a descent tendency to explore being in center. Yeah, no, this is really interesting. And, um, you, but he's just, his leg, his shoulder, front legs are so much more square coming out. Mm -hmm. And his head is in line with his sternum, which is really interesting. And it's almost like uh, such a huge release, mm -hmm. relief for him to feel that balance. Yeah, I just decided to do the half physio rather than stacking two, you know, regular sizes because I thought that might be too much. Yeah. Um, but he seemed to really benefit from this. What she shared, and I, I probably have a clip of her talking about it, is that because we did she, he was not ready to ride yet he's not back under saddle after being in, going barefoot so she just did some in-hand work and a little bit of stuff on the ground when she came over here and she said he feel he felt like he was lighter in the front it felt like he was shifting his weight more to the hind after he was on the pads mm -hmm. so that was super cool and yeah. he can really come into his body well Again, I said he can really come into his body well. He still has a tendency to let everything hang out when he's standing around, but when he's moving, he's learning to use it, utilize his body a whole lot better. So I don't know if you can zoom this video in a little bit, but what's going on in the shoulder is really interesting. Let's see. Well, I might be able to just pinch and. Um, yeah, it's not letting me. Do that. Can, can you just take it back then? Just yeah, take yeah, it back yeah. to that side shot of his shoulder. Because there's, and just slowly drag your cursor. Okay. You'll, you'll see a lot more when you just slowly drag it, but what you can, it's just like, I've got to climb into the screen. <laughs> there's so much going on in this shoulder. Hang on, I'm trying to grab. Here we go. Here we go. Like there's swaying, but you can see this, this, um, how do I describe it? Like he's got pretty strong definition there at the top of his upper arm, but mm -hmm. there's something going on in that shoulder that he's getting quite a relief from. And, you know, if he's, even if he's been short right fronted, that means that there's been a torque on that left shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so there's like, if the weight's dropping down, right. Oh, it's right there. You see that? Yeah. That. See the scab exactly. move? Exactly. Yeah. That's like going by, it's like, ooh, hokey pokey. Yep. Yeah. 
really but you can see how much is shifting between the ribs and that shoulder is really mm -hmm. interesting and yeah he's experimenting with the whole placement yeah. of the rib cage relative to actually feeling more square if you will between the front legs yeah yeah and he seemed to um i think it was this one where when he would shift weight he would actually completely unweight the other foot it might be this one or the other one and he only did that on one scenario every all the others it was just a shift of weight but yeah, where you actually started to see this shoulder is quite different, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a bit of shadow, but that's nice when he turns his head. He lets us see more of it. There's yeah. so much more definition in the scapula on the on this side. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is a horse that she had been studying with me for a long time and hadn't been in the clinic in a while. And she came to one of my clinics and he's very sensitive to different new horses. So yeah. the whole time, you know, he it takes him a day or two to kind of get in the groove. And, you know, of course it was watching paint dry. So we weren't doing anything, you know, strenuous. And um, we were finishing up with some snake on snaking the ground poles. Mm -hmm. And um, he got to the end of the ground poles and I, I could not find the picture of it, but he got to the end of it at the end of the clinic. And there he went, literally laid flat out on his side. <laughs> Like, all right, last day, I'm done. You know, he finally was just like, okay, I'm good now. But that, he, he's very sensitive to other horses. You know, one of the things that I, I've, having done Surefoot this long now, one of the things that I keep finding, and, and I think you're reinforcing, is that when we look at these horses, we think they're okay, but really they are stressed. Exactly. Um, you know, people talk about having to stress them a little more to get them into a place of active learning. But I, my right. feeling for years now is that they're already stressed and we need to reduce that stress to help them be able to learn. And in yep. this case, not only reduce the stress to learn, but reduce the stress to let down, to yes. really, really chill. I agree. Um, my little guy is a super sensitive little guy. I'll, I'll show you this video and then we'll skip and go to YouTube so you can see the before of him when he was just really immobile. Um, but this video, he was, um, I remember him just coming back. Right. And so just first time I really kind of had him out there again and I just gotten my hard slants. I was so excited cause he's not super cool with things underneath him. And he was on the pads for a little bit, which you'll see. And then he immediately wants to lay down. And that is not normal for him. He, matter of fact, he wouldn't lay down in my presence for a very long time. Hmm. And for him to lay down is a big deal. So I pulled the halter off and just allowed it to happen. And did it again yesterday, Wendy. And he did the exact same thing again. Hmm. Yeah, the Mustangs, are they're interesting because... Well, this is a little quarter horse. Mustang. Oh, this is the quarter horse. Okay. This is the quarter horse. He's the one that back in August uh, foundered and oh. had eight in one foot, 10 degrees in the other foot. And uh, yeah, so he's, it was pretty touch and go there for a while, but he's really coming together nicely now. I've got probably two or three months left of hoof to grow out to get his foot back where it needs to be. But he's, Running, bucking, farting. Okay. <laughs>
but I have to really watch him. You know, he's IR. Um, right. he, did not, he did not test for cushions, but he's IR. And so I have to really watch him. But I can't do a whole lot with him yet. He's lost so much muscle through the process. Um, and he always steps usually off the back. That's interesting. Sometimes he'll go forward, but mostly he goes back. And I don't usually, usually use a, a rope halter with him because I usually use a web halter. But when I do, I try to be really careful not to have any movement in that. And you see, he's already wanting to go down. Yeah, yeah he's looking for a place and to. I'm like, well, let me take this off so you can do your own thing on your own. I'm glad you bring that up about the rope halters because in my experience, the there's so much momentum in the, in that weight of rope. Yeah. You know, the horses are letting down and a tiny little wiggle is a huge. Right, right. And there's, I try to bring a lot of awareness to that, especially the people still using them. Um, but I'm when I'm working with horses, I'm usually in a cabasson or a web halter, but sometimes just going from point A to point B, I do have the rope halter on because yeah. That was a habit I got into, but it, more and more I use them less and less. But the awareness of be careful, right? And be present, um, especially when they're on the pads or when they're going through a process, right? Well, that's that's the this. thing. It's I'm glad, but I'm so glad you brought that up because to me, I think that's and like, then he yeah. goes down, and that is so not normal for him. And he'd stay there a second, he's like. Oh, good chin scratch there too. Yeah. And then he actually does it on the other side briefly. And he's like, okay, I'm done. I really think when they do that full body shake or when they roll, it's, it really resets the body. Yeah. They got all that stuff and all those changes, you know, and just leaving them alone and allowing them to reorganize their body to the changes that have just happened. And he's, um, but yeah, Surefoot has been super helpful. So let me clip to. Um, so, so while you're doing that, let me ask you a question as a, as a trimmer and a owner of a foundered horse, what did you, what do you find works best in terms of the density? Ah, uh, well, I use the physio all the time when I'm trimming. Um, I don't use them so much when the big, larger pads, when I'm trimming, but I definitely, use that to support, especially if I've got, I've got an arthritic horse or um, these horses that have learned to really lean or they have some imbalance, especially in the hind end. A lot of times they'll put more weight on you in the front, especially. And I have found that, um, let me move you. You're in the way there, I gotta get you out of the way. Oh, okay. I'm doing pretty good though, Wendy. You are I'm doing great. I'm proud of myself here. <laughs> you just don't know how hard technology is for me. I listen, that's been half the battle with most of my guests, okay? <laughs> um, but for the laminitic course, what did you find? Um I'm gonna show you that video. He um surefoot full playlist. Here we go. It's in here. I'm sure. Yeah, and using it before the trail with this guy was a lot of, was huge as to how he could relax. So what I'm gonna do here is um, take the volume out of it 
and get to the portion that I know, I think for him, I wrote down the time. Journey was three minutes and 40 seconds. I wanted to get to that because I have a lot of video on him and it's, he couldn't move. So this is when he was acute. This is, yeah, this was when he was, all right, let me just make the screen big. Move you out of the way. Okay. So started with the physio um, and I tried to do things on the back, but he was not as interested on the back, even though you can see that's where he wants to weight himself because of taking the pressure off those front. But look at that. Right. You really start seeing him feel things through his body and he'll look around, a lot of twitching. And so how soon after you discovered he was uh, starting to have trouble? D how soon after did I start using the pads? Yeah. Um, pretty soon. Um, Cause I get, this is the questions that I get a lot is, you know, can I use Surefoot with my horse that's- uh, You see how he's gingerly walking off. He can- yeah. has laminitis. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I advise them as best I can but I'm not dealing with acutely laminitic horses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I wanna be really happy about that. <laughs> Yeah. That's the problem, right? Right. And to me, it, to me, it's, um, I, you know, if the horse wants it, they want it. Right. And that's, that's the bottom line, really. So you if offer they, it right away. Yeah, but I offer it right away. And if they want it, but I don't, it's, I definitely don't force anything on them. Right. And so, so you this, started with the half physio pad there, but already that stance has changed. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because he's not nearly, you know, he's more square. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's so yeah. cute. And, and that guy, um, let me go back here to him under here. When did we do that clinic, Marie? How long ago was that? Mm. Don't ask me time. I'm not oh, good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, with him in the laminetic uh, phase of it, there was there was some stretches there where I, I was not able to offer him to him. But he, when he wanted them, and I had the opportunity, I did, and I really think that's made a huge difference in his comeback. Well, and I think that, that that's the key is that you offer it and then you listen to whether or not they want it as well as the density. It's just, it's yeah. experimentation. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, so many people would like me to present a formula, but I haven't found a formula that I can just say do X, Y, Z and like yeah. Arthur. So this is one of the horses that I composted. He came to me with someone that got him and uh, had him for 30 days. And then, you know, all of a sudden, which is, makes me laugh all of a sudden he you know he, I couldn't ride him he was just not even let us be around him so anyway he came into me for training it was one of the most um shut down horses I've ever experienced in my life it was this horse has probably taught me more than any horse to date and thank god I had the pads at the time when he first put him on the pads he only wanted them on the right side front and back 
And I've never seen that before either. And he would always position himself exactly where he wanted. He had a lot of arthritis in that right knee, but I thought, I thought that was interesting how he positioned himself. But yeah, he's, he ended up trusting people again before he, before I had to give him his dignified departure, he had come so far emotionally. And to me, that's a huge win. So, you know. And why, why the decision to euthanize him? He um, actually, I had him, gosh, three or four years. And when he had the big breakthrough trust-wise with people, then he started showing us all his pain. Ah. And he just could not overcome a lot of things. And I could not, I just could not do it, you know. So I made the decision. and. You'll appreciate this. The day that it happened, I went out with him. He and I had already had lots of conversations about it and he was ready. And we went out and I was sitting on a little, little stool out in the pasture waiting on the vet and um, grass everywhere. Normally, if I walk out there, he's going to want to graze. And I went out there and I sat on the, the stool. He stood right next to me, did not eat grass, took out a bunch of deep sighs put his muzzle on my head and started muzzling me. And then he just went into this most peaceful place. And I knew it was the right thing to do. I mean, he was just basically telling me it's okay. We're you know, this is so fascinating, Marie, because I don't know if you've listened to the webinar I did with Laura Plunkett on aid and comfort. Yeah. And That's that compassionate witness, right? Yeah, well, and that, you know, she what she has said is if you're not sure, ask your horse to give you a clear some yep. that indicate and that's exactly what i did i said buddy tell me are we good and he and i was good within myself but i wanted to make sure he was good and it was super clear and he's like yeah but this is him isn't he handsome yeah such a handsome boy and so, so you composted him do what you've composted him i did so i have him and a student's horse the student's horse that I composted, um, she got from a kill pen, it was on his way to the kill pen. And she took him in and basically for, I'll make a short story, basically for 10, 10 months survived. He was that um, far gone with pain. And he, he was, had so much um, anger and he fought instead of flee. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, we had to make a really tough decision, pretty young horse. But once we did and we composted and brought his bones up, my body worker was like, oh, my God, you tell her. It wasn't a matter of if it was just a matter of when he had been he had a blow to his head at a young age because you can tell all the the changes that happened in his skull um, due to that blow that affected his jaw caused him to have an imbalance in his teeth when he was at the kill on his way to the kill pen he had no mobilization of the jaw there was the top tooth was down in the bottom the bottom was broken off yes so two or three rounds with a dentist another dentist i need to get you to look up too she does an excellent job of doing seminars um and so he had a 24 7 migraine basically Wow. I mean, he was, you know, was screaming at people like, don't y'all see what I need? Right. You know? And that this is where, uh, you know, it, it's so important that these, 
you know, like Pam and you who are doing the composting and then looking at the skeleton are coming forward with the evidence of why the behavior. Right. I, I can think of a horse that comes to my mind all the time when I think about a horse that, you know, we, we couldn't solve it and they, and they did, but we didn't compost him. And to this yeah. day, now I would really have liked to see what was going on because he, you know, he was a danger. And, sure. Sure. Um, it's, but it's the, the more we start to hear these stories, we, the more we start to realize, you know, these, these behaviors are not behaviors that are intended to harm us in the way that people think they are yes. behaviors that are ex expressing, I am hurting. Right. right. And yet, you know, that hasn't been the, until recently, that hasn't been in our psyche to say, wait a second, this is a behavior that is screaming out of pain as opposed to this is just a behavior. Yeah. And, you know, I, it's very rare that I see an issue where it's a behavioral issue. It's, it's, you know, I try to take away, is there a pain issue? Is there, what is going on here? But usually it's just the horse doesn't understand, you know, right. or you communicating well enough that the horse can understand. Yeah. Pain one is you can't hear what they have to say. Yeah. You can't get quiet within yourself. Yeah. You know, so. Um, pain and lack of understanding and, you know, are the most common reasons for the behaviors that we see. Absolutely. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Um, and there was a third that I had in there, but I've forgotten what it is, but it fits in. <laughs> yeah. So here is a, I just actually had this horse recently. I don't know this horse. I've never even given him a lesson. Um, let's see which one it is I'm supposed to do, but it was fascinating to watch him, let me turn this down. Very mouthy, that, that spatial horse that's always looking for, um, I kind of think of a mind horse, a spatial horse or a pressure horse. And that spatial horse is looking for clarity. They're, they they kind of tend to be mouthy horses, all, always all over you like a cheap suit. To me, they're looking for you to give them answers, right? Um, a lot of times, or there's pain issues. And this horse, I think he carries a good bit of anxiety and he's really young getting started. And um, this was a fascinating first time on the pads for him. Look at that. Yeah, but watch what he does. See that big breath and then he looks back like, I'm not really but sure. But he punches his, his girth button. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he doesn't come off the pad when he reaches out to his owner. See how long, and this is, these are new to her. She had never even heard of them before. So it was an interesting session. And then look, he goes right into being mouthy again. So Robin Hood is a great uh, way to understand what we call, you know, those fool around horses, the horses that grab lead shanks and all these. And she talks about domesticated flight. Yes. You know, yeah. in that the horses have an anxiety, they really would rather be able to move away, but we exactly that right. and block I, that, right? Yeah, I've heard that phrase and I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And that's, to me, the these distractive behaviors that yeah. be, then we start trying to address the distractive behavior instead of the underlying right. flight, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah I think that when I heard that, phrase domesticated flight I was like that is that is dead on dead yeah. on yeah it really he, does 
put a context around the behaviors. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. I have any more videos that I can pop on this screen? This little guy, this is not a video, but this little guy, I'm going to show him because he's always given me the most interesting ways to be on a pad. Wow. He's had a lot. He, he had a, a suspensory injury that he healed from, but he puts himself in the most unusual ways. And he just about every time goes into a downward dog yoga position after being on the pad. Wow. You got to get a little video clip of that. Okay. No, I really want to get a clip of, of him doing that. This guy just recently as well, look at how he put himself on these rear pads. Yeah. And then I'm gonna show you a picture how he ended up. So he started like that. And then he, not too long after that, went to this. And then stayed like that for quite some time. Hmm. Like, you know, not even waiting it fully, but wanted it there for right. quite some time. It wasn't like, you know, I'm half off and I'm going to walk. It was just he intentionally wanted it to be like that. You know, your your photos are great because you show so many different um, uh, configurations, isn't the right word, um, organizations mm -hmm. of the way horses stand on pads. And I think that, you know, so so often, like, it, when I'm trying to, you know, do like on the website so that people can see the product, it doesn't necessarily show the, the reality. It's like, this is the canned version. So you can yeah. see what the thing is, but this is really, these are really great because this is reality. This yeah. is, you know, horses will push the pads around, stand on one, not stand on another, take different kinds of postures, which we would look at and go, wow, that looks really uncomfortable. How many times have you thought that to yourself? Wow, that looks really uncomfortable. And yet they're getting something out of that organization that we'll never understand. Uh, exactly. I agree. And I'll show you one more video of, um, and so you, you know, your, your illustrations are great because they show the myriad of uh, variety of how horses um, stand on pads or respond to pads. And it's really cool. Now I started doing the um, pre and post trail, but these guys are two of my guys that I just do at Liberty. And it's been fun to watch to see what they choose. He came back off a trail and just put himself right back on the pads on his own. And then there's my little Mustang. She'll, she'll get her turn next. But it's fascinating to see, one, the changes, but also they come back and they just choose herself. That's why I like to either do it at Liberty or, like I said, just have the pads and let them show me first. And then if they don't, then, then I'll offer. And the only concern one needs to be careful of here is that the horse doesn't roll with your saddle on. That's right. That's right. These guys know, know a little bit better about that. Right. But, but I'm um, just warning anybody who might yeah, yeah. And not consider that. Absolutely. <laughs> now this little mare, she's pretty long back, but she's, I think she's intrinsically um, got a lot of strength and it's been fun to watch her change. I'm going to, I'm going to show a still shot of, 
where she's come from. And I really think a lot of it is due to the pads. It's really helped her unlock some things. She was not very trusting when she came to me either. It took quite a while to earn her trust. And she is now just yummy personality. Is she the Mustang? She's the Mustang, yeah. She goes pretty deep pretty quick. Yeah. She just drops right in as soon as she's on. Now, did she put herself on? Uh, yes, she put herself on these. Wow. Which, which in itself, um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to let people know that not to ask the horse, especially from the back of the back of the horse to ask them to step on the pad because it's easy for them to kick it and move it and yeah. not hold it on. But these guys are so great because they're so experienced. They know how to put themselves on. That's right. And they do. They know exactly what to do. And, and then the little guy that foundered, you know, he's better. He didn't, I think you helped me in the beginning, get him okay with that at that clinic you did down here. And now he'll get on him fine, but it's, um, and he, he can, you can tell he reaps the benefit and feels them. But then when he steps off of them, it's almost like, Ooh, I was on a pad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wasn't sure when we started. Yeah. 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 And it took a while to get him like that. So this is kind of where that, that Mustang is now within her body. Where is Annie? Here she is. And I love this shot because she's really. Um, oh, wow. So that's where she is now. And she, you know, with that long back, it, it takes a lot to, it took a lot to just get forward in her. Yeah, no, that's lovely. She was a suck back kind of horse and now she's got a lot of forward in her. Yeah. Wow. Um, but anyway, how are we doing on time? I think. Good. Why don't you go ahead and unshare your screen? We'll wrap this up. And, uh, this has been terrific. Yeah. You were stopped sharing. There it goes. I am so proud of myself. Yeah. That's awesome. No, this, that really fun and, um, really fun to see the variety and the different ways that you're using Surefoot. Um, it's, that's really cool. Yeah. Mounting block, that gray horse. One of the things that I had to do for him is, you know, we spent a lot of time just sharing space with him. And one of the things we did was, you know, stand, above him and share space with him. And that was a big deal. Yeah. And so I would put him on the surefoot pads at the mountain block when we did. Yeah. And that made a huge difference. Yeah. To, you know, creating a, a good feeling with being in a place that you're not so comfortable with. You know, so I've been, I've been listening because I do most of my reading, listening um, to a book about habits. And it's so interesting because they talk about that there's a cue, a routine and a payoff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that all habits are a cue routine and payoff and what you he's what he's talking about is that rather than trying to change the cue or the payoff if you change the route mm -hmm. by using surefoot and a mounting block the cue is a mounting block but right. the routine is standing on surefoot pads and the payoff is that the horse is relaxed i'm gonna have to write that down yeah it's it's so far I've been, you know, like I've recommended this book for a long time and I read half of it, but I don't get time to sit down and read, but I drive. So yeah. I found it's in the name of that book. Somebody's asking. So send the name of that book. Hang on. I can pull it up right here. Um, and, and in listening to this book, what I've realized is that that's really uh, what, what Surefoot, um, the power of habit. Right. Uh, I'll just type it in the text. Uh, power. Um, 
and that's so much of what you're doing with your work, what Surefoot's doing is that, you know, the cue is I put the halter on and bring you into the arena, yeah. right? The expectation is the routine is that you're going to run me around and blah, 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 right? And then the payoff is I get to go back to my field, right? right? But what you've done is you've changed the routine which is therefore changing the entire habit pattern. You yeah. bring them in, you give them space, you make them more comfortable, you assess and discuss with the owner, you provide a bunch of different opportunities and ways in which to make space for the horse. And so the, the horse's payoff is this tremendous relaxation. Yes, I mean, I had this student, the first time she ever did my mindful walk, I said, I want you to tell me what you heard, what you felt and what you observed. And she comes out, she goes, well, we went in the arena, he walked two steps and he blew out and we went here and he did this and he did this and he did this. Things that she never really observed before. Right. You know, so when you go, when you set that precedence of going in and we're going to get relaxed first, next thing you know, they're coming in and they're already relaxed because they have that, that right. understanding of the expectation. So so yeah. the, the thing that he talks about is the craving and the craving is the, the relaxation. They're craving the relaxation. So as they're entering the arena now, they're already craving that, which they're going to have yes. just is how habits change. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. cool. Very cool. Well, yeah. thank you, Maria. I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This it's has been awesome. Thank you. Really fun. Really enjoyed sharing. It's been yeah. great. Yep. All right. And so everybody just have a fabulous weekend. Remember to go to horseclass.com and sign up for my free workshop. Go to Surefoot Equine YouTube channel and subscribe so that you get a notification when I put up videos because I don't always put them up immediately after the webinar. Things happen in my life. Um, and stay tuned for next week because it's going to be such a blast to do the, the first live Zoom webinar from the barn with Daisy Bicking. We're going to have a whole cast of characters there. So we're thinking about having a little cocktail party at the end, but that yeah. will probably be off screen. <laughs> uh, All right. And thank you, Marie. I'm really looking forward to seeing you again sometime soon. Yeah, me too. I look forward to it. We'll have to uh, catch up. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.